Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. That's some rockin' good tunes, and it can only mean another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Hello to you. I'm Nikki Dakota, your host, joined in the studio live and in person by the one, the only, the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers and many, many beautiful stars. Also, one of the film guys on our very own, J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, welcome. Always my pleasure, Nikki Secret Dakota. <laughs> also joining us via the phone line from Culpeper, Virginia, where he makes his living Preserving and putting extra tender loving care onto the nitrate films that we have all come to know and love. He is the nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress, our man of the Library of Congress. We call him friend and George Willeman. George, welcome. Well, bless your pea-picking little heart. <laughs> we have a very, very special occasion that brings us together on this particular day. Of course, every Friday special when we broadcast Filmically Perfect. But uh, you gentlemen have uh, a little bit something extra up your sleeves today. This is uh, more of, a, let's say, a public service announcement, shall we? Well, we're going to start a three-part series here, summer hiatus series. Yeah. Um, a trilogy. Yeah, because... <laughs> We're gonna get back into our reviewing perfect movies uh, when we come when we start back in September. But today, we're since we have just released our movie, My Mummy. We're gonna talk about from how we started this picture and now it's on the shelves for all of you because there's a lot of people want to make movies and there's all sorts of ways to make movies now even more than like 20 years five years 10 years more than just four years ago technology has has made it so just about anybody out there listening driving a car can almost make a movie and distribute it um, right while proof. they're driving their car while they're driving their car <laughs> yeah. um those are very dramatic. Road Rage. That was a great movie. Road Rage on 6-7-I-6-75. But before we start, um, we need to point out that uh, Your Mummy, My Mummy, uh, Your Movie, My Mummy, I should say, All of Our Mummy. <laughs> yeah, The Tomb uh, is a Drag Without Her. Is available uh, uh, just this week, uh, just just coming online after many work, many years of work. Four many... years exactly is when we started this little tiny movie. And we are here to tell you all about it and how it was done. And we'll also answer questions through email, but we can tell you specifically how we we went from nothing to the stores, you know, where it's at. Now, whether it's successful or not, know, we don't, we know, don't but... know, but we can tell you that much. And right. also, that we... all depends on you. <laughs> well, we need to point out at this point that in no way... Is my mommy perfect? No, but we'll talk about those rules. <laughs> when we do, do talk about a perfect movie, uh, the perfect movie creates the world it exists in. <laughs> yes. right. and it, Go ahead. And it wholly sustains that. And regardless world. of changes in society, a perfect movie retains its meaning and entertainment value. And a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential or numerical order. Each is perfect by its own scale. But My Mummy is not a perfect movie. In, in no. <laughs> Frozen but Turkey Pictures, the representative of the, the road rope representative of Frozen Turkey Pictures is Bud Inski. He has a Crown Victoria and he looks like a county agent and he has the <laughs> trunk load of this stuff and he goes around explaining, you know, that this is not a perfect movie, you know, and then he sells them, of course, Bud Inski. <laughs> He's not in the studio today. He's out there, you know, treading ground and trying to sell my mummy. Pretty yeah, good. I think he was heading down to Caesar's Creek 
Greek uh, flea market to, to hawk these. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he is going to stop by Ian Beach Lake to show them where the mummy went into the lake. and you know. That's right. It's still there, isn't it? Yeah. Gentlemen, I would like to know, four years ago, what on this planet Earth made you think that, uh, that you not just could make a movie, but that you were going to go ahead and do it? Well, in my side of the trade, um, I have worked on very, very, very big movies as a storyboard artist. And then Millions. I made a movie about 10 years ago that was a $5 million movie that wasn't successful. The Naked Man. Um, and that was well-financed, but I wasn't very experienced back then. And uh, there was a lot of things that I was not allowed to do in post-production, things like that. And then when we did, we started on this project, we knew that we had to like oversee every detail. So there has been this big mystery in my whole career on what happens to the movie once it's done, you know, because there's these guys and they send up smoke signals they're distributors and they only know what's going on and the only way to really get in there is by doing it and that's exactly what we've done and i wanted that challenge and i don't know about george george can tell you what his his mo was yes george i just wanted to be in a movie (laughs) (laughs) and we should say you're both in this movie in fact you're both uh, kind of co-leads well that's that's a cost expense i mean that saves us a lot of money (laughs) right there there's how you start be your own star you have to you have to exhaust your resources tell them george why you want to do it george uh because i always wanted to wear a fez in a movie which looks good on you I can see we're going to get a straight answer out of you on this, George. <laughs> no, but you started with a script, uh, and uh, and that both of you worked on at least partly together. Is that correct? Well, yeah, we had some ideas yeah, on what I, to do. I think we ought to go back, and, and that should be like the first part. I mean, if you're going to make a movie, that's where the, you first, start. the first place you got to start with is at least a grain of an idea. And, and then the, build that idea into a script. It has to be on paper, you know. That's the way everybody works. They want to see it on paper. They want to. They, it needs to be written. And and I had we had both been around the block enough times to see what scripts look like, and we, you know. And I'd always bring home a script from a movie to look at, and all my scripts are really good. But that's you know, <laughs> I mean, all those scripts are really good, and and you know that's a that's a big tough nut to do. You, you know, you can do this thing, but. There's where the black art begins is how do you make the screenplay work? How do you make it flow? Um, Even with a lot of experience, it's still very, very difficult to get a good moving screenplay where you want it to be. And and it's like got to be around 100 pages. Yeah. You know, I remember one time, Jay Todd, um, that you had said to me walking into maybe it was director's office or producer's offices and seeing these stacks of scripts. Stacks of scripts. And each one represents. Somebody's life dreams desires they've they spent minutes pouring over this and dreaming about it and not being able to go to sleep because they're dreaming about it and it's all stacked up in an office over there on the in the dryer building at the paramount stack or of something. broken dreams unbelievable it's just like firewood so george know? so the you have an idea and you have to i'm guessing get a group of people together that believe it is good enough to create a full movie to uh, to fill in with words make dialogue have things and uh, i mean to say have shots and uh and and then how do you know how to proceed? Did you guys try to shop it to elsewhere as no, a script No, we had no first? intentions on this movie to shop it. We wanted it to be we wanted it to be stupid, silly, and simple. <laughs> that was our, just the, like us. The three yeah. S's. <laughs> we wanted it. We weren't trying to be Orson Welles. We weren't trying to save anything. We wanted to make a stupid, silly movie. Now we have accomplished that feat. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> 
We have rang the bell on that one. Exhibit A. Yeah. Uh, this is a special edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYS. The show. The show. It is. Uh, so you want to make a movie and, and so how you, you proceed. want to make a movie. So you get the script. You have a script in your hand. You've, you've fretted. Well, why don't we, before we go any farther, why don't we talk a little bit about the process of creating the script? Because on this film, it, every time we've written a script, we've tried a different a different style of writing or a different way of approaching it because there are so many ways you can go from just you know from writing a script you know you could write it out as a longhand story you can start with a just a synopsis or just a single line idea you can lay it out on on index cards almost almost like storyboarding with words oh uh this one our exercise was just to come up with a grain of an idea and just like automatic like automatic writing we just sit down and just pound it out well, you know, uh, keep in mind, folks, that George has seen 536 million movies. <laughs> so some of that's got to stick some somewhere of it sticks in the process. Somewhere. And then I have a, a locker full of screenplays that are done by really great writers. So we had a few examples of, of how to start and how to formatize this stuff. Right. And um, so, so that's you, basically... You knew the beginning, middle, and end pretty much when you sat down, or did that come along? But I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, just as long as you end up with a beginning, middle, well, we, and end. A little bit of both. Yeah, and yeah. and then we George and I deliberately wrote this as fast as we could. We wanted <laughs> to, to lay this baby down because our scale on this picture was small and cheap. Right. That's what it was. It was small and cheap, and we knew that the genre of mummies was never going to go away. You know, we had written another script which was really good called White Trash Zombie. They've told us that, but it's far too expensive to have made. It was just too expensive, and uh, every time we'd run the numbers on it, it was just too expensive. So we we aimed for something very very cheap you know and it honestly to this day it it looks cheap it feels cheap and it acts cheap but it doesn't feel very cheap to me because uh, <laughs> we still spend money on it, you know? for it yeah you know that's that's what you get into you're you're dealing in the business of money when you're making movies because Anytime you're recreating life of any way, shape, or form, it's going to cost you, you know, right. money or whatever. So what do you, I mean, that's such a huge hurdle. I mean, you basically either have to have some nest egg or, or get investors, capital investors, or borrow money now. And then well, we'll get into so, that in so a little scary. bit. But right now we're just talking about getting it going. Yeah. Getting it. it is very scary, and it's still scary. Um, but like I said, we have achieved some sort of, a goal we have four years later it's on the shelves you know whether it sells or not that's you know that's the biggest gamble that gamble is no different from anybody else in the movie business no i mean you look at you look at the films that are coming out today and there are some big films out there right now that cost hundreds of millions of dollars and are just tanking i mean they're just tanking Mm. it's a huge gamble it's it's uh those odds if, if you took all that money you're going to put in a movie and just bought a lottery ticket every day, you'd probably hit the lottery faster than you would <laughs> making a movie. Now, that's that not a joke. Fun. That has been proven. That has been proven. You know, oh The only difference is, is you have something to show for it. You know, um, The lottery tickets, you just say you play them every day. Which sort of begs a <laughs> fundamental question. What drives people to want to make movies? It's the notion of sharing. What is it? You know, that's that's a question for George. <laughs> <laughs> what drives people to make movies? I think there's several things. I think on the one hand, someone, some people make movies. They have a they have a message they want to get out. I mean, movies like uh, like Porky's. You know, I mean, you have a message you want to get out. <laughs> or Billy Jack. Or Losers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, as we're getting into talking, especially especially in the world of independent film, Harold and I mean, Kumar. Right, independent film. Often our little message films 
that you know that the studios won't touch. But right. um, and they go way back. I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, the the independent film is nothing new. Right here in our vault, in our nitrate vaults, we have lots of independent films going back to the teens, and they are very similar to the ones today. They're usually, uh, you know, low budget. Some are very highly personal stories. Uh, some are, are to teach a um, teach a lesson, but there are things that the studios want nothing to do with. And what was the one we were talking about the other day, George? That about the organist that's killed in in the, oh, a Carnival of Souls. Yeah, now you watch that movie. That was an independent picture, and these guys still talk about that to this day. How they made that, and it's on our list. If you watch it, you're going to get a little uncomfortable because it's so rough. Yeah, so roughly honed the the sound and everything. But there's something about that movie right, out of millions and millions of movies that were made independently, like My Mummy, which are independent. Somehow that movie is still around, no matter how rough and how right. It, it really it touches seems. people because uh, the guys who made it, the guys who made it, worked for this company called Centron in in Lawrence, Kansas. What year was this? This is 1963, I believe. Okay. And they 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 were uh, jobbers. They made educational films. And one of the guys who was one of the head directors there, Herc Harvey, was out in Salt Lake City, saw this pavilion out on the Salt Lake that had been semi-abandoned, and it just hit him of what a great set that would be. And then he made the movie. Right. He went back to Lawrence, Kansas, got with the other guys from Centron and some local people and said, let's make a movie and use this place out in Salt Lake City. Now, in our situation, we had a lot of resources here in Ohio. We had Communicore, John Collis' Communicore, and um, he had a lot of equipment and a lot of expertise with the equipment. And then I knew a few people. We had, you know, cinematographer we worked with for years, you know, Mike King. And these were all people that were there at one point, and we stuck, as I say, the sword in a basket and got a squeal, and we made it. We All of a sudden, we were rolling. And I had a few investors, you know, that were willing to, to – um, take on this crazy uh, project, and that's how it all got motivated. Because um, I had just gotten off a of Stepford Wise, honestly, and I did a lot of effects on that picture, a lot of very expensive effects, and they were cut out. Oh. And I remember asking, "Why were they cut out?" What and a the waste. answer, the answer was that they weren't funny. Now, George and I, we know that throwing a pie is instantly funny. You know, <laughs> so. We thought we started thinking in scale of throwing pies, and that's we thought a mummy, a stupid mummy picture. Now, when we started doing this, we understood as we started doing it, after we had written it, that um, it's not that easy to do a comedy. The people that we kind of worship and, and idolize, those people did lots of comedies like Blake Edwards. They had a hard time getting out of the box, but they did it for somebody else's, you know, company. And they did, you know, not Blake Edwards, but our favorite directors like Del Lord and everything uh, did the Stooges. They did Silence. So we had to go out there and just kind of learn. And the only way you really figure out how to do these things is by doing them. And that's the only way you learn how to do a movie is by making one. And I have seen very few first-time directors not go through that paddling machine of a first-time learning experience of making movies. But again, how are you going to learn how to do it? You can not You can sit around and write screenplays and, until things just go away in some sort of a disaster. But the only way to do it is by shooting that screenplay, don't you think, George? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I have, I have so much respect now for the people who actually have the uh, cojones to go out and actually make films because – it is a it is a tough, grueling, and and fairly dull 
adult uh-huh. job. It's, it's a lot of work. And the idea of being able to to see what you're what you're doing when you know you have to do it all out of order and making sure that all your little bits and pieces are going to come together when you edit it. And since we wrote this thing and we edited it over at Communicore, we got to see the error of our ways. Yeah, Most people just write stuff, don't we, realize. We, we, you know? we were like painting ourselves into a corner every other day <laughs> and having to figure out how to get out of it. And these are very, very valuable lessons if you are to move on to making another movie. Now, like... On the first movie that I had, I had the best screenplay writer in the world helping me, uh, Ethan Cohen. You know, um, but in this little teeny handful of change adventure that we did, that I spent a lot of my own money on and everything, you tend to have to play through your mistakes and learn from them and work with what you have, I guess, to some. Yeah, because we had, you know, we had some very, very lovely people who helped us, like the city of New Carlisle. The, we were able to shoot there. We had a whole town as like a train set to shoot there. It was great, and I grew up there, and I knew the place. And lots of people threw in gobs of energy and help on this thing, you know, and it's almost you could take hours to to thank everybody because it's unbelievable. And how many problems you have to solve when you do this and you do it because you just keep moving forward through the process. I like the question, what makes someone want to make a movie? But also the same side of that or the opposite side of that coin is what makes people want to see them? But they certainly do and also be in them and help out. So there's something about it that's worthwhile. There is something and I guess mystical about it, that's for sure. It's within all our grasp. Now, uh, just because I don't think I've ever seen an actual screenplay, you had said just moments ago that they're about 100 pages. So, I mean, what else? Describe what, what the well, sort the 100 of... pages will keep your timing in order. Like 100 pages, each page gives or, give or take a minute. Don't you think, George? Yeah, about a minute. That's what you sort of aim for, is that each page will be in a minute of screen time. Oh, but the idea of a, a screenplay, screenplays have a, a very specific format that is followed by most people. Now, there are some mavericks out there who, you know, they do their own scripts, so they do them the way they want to. But the basic screenplay format will break the, the story down into scenes and shots and dialogue and action. And each piece of the screenplay sort of sets on its own tab going across the page. So as you're going down, where, you know, you can go straight down a page, you can see... All the scene, all the scene uh, demarcations, and then all the dialogue and all the action, and it kind of moves inward that way. So you can tell by what you're looking at just by its position, its starting position on the page. Correct. What what might be a direction on shot or track? Well, it becomes a physical premise that you have to execute. It goes. What you're holding is the intellectual, as I always say, the intellectual premise, and it has to become an existential premise, which means it has to become visual. So that has to be handled to the point where all the technicians and the assistant directors and the camera people can strip this thing into like little ribbons and shoot different scenes on days that's convenient like say you got three scenes in one place we want to shoot all those scenes in one place you know so that way you don't have to spend a lot of time hardly ever and i have never ever experienced in my professional career of a screenplay being shot chronologically ever yeah there's only been a couple films that i know of and i can't give you a title or i've had but there were a couple that have been shot sequentially, but that was the director's choice because of some some emotional effect he wanted but and does, could only get from shooting chronologically. Which seems like a very valid point that, I mean, the actors themselves would benefit from starting yeah. at the beginning. And They do, but that's the technical... You know, a theater performance is chronological, but a movie performance is very abstract in the fact that it becomes a, techni- a technical kind of you know, performance where actors have to be technical to a certain extent. Now, even on our little picture, we had like sometimes five people in one place at one time. 
And uh, these were all local theater actors. And even getting that accomplished is very difficult uh, because we got rained out one night. And so I, we had to figure out how to schedule all five of those people. Now, the odd thing about all of this is that although my mummy is very, very small – and a lot of pictures that are made are very small. When you read about when people talk about how they make these things, like George and I are, you're going to find out that they're, all movies are made the same way, like airplanes fly the same way, um, <laughs> cars drive the same way. All movies have to be built the same way. It's just the, the cost that, it's that the is cost, incurred. Yeah. Um, they generally are all built and assembled the same way. Right, and it's especially true if you're if you're shooting on location like we were, you're interrupting somebody's life. <laughs> so, right. you know, if you want to be a good little filmmaker, you're going to make that as painless as possible, which means you're going to try to shoot uh, all the stuff at that one location within a certain amount of days. Now, that location could appear throughout the film, you know, forwards and backwards and beginning and end, but everything will be shot in the same chunk of time. Plus, there's these absolute rules in life, like... Uh, gravity is the law. Mm. Um, if fire will burn you, and and last but not least, time is money. No matter how you look at yep. it, if you're spending money on a production, the more time you put in that production, I could almost guarantee you. I can't because you know I'm not a genius, um, and I'm reminded of that quite a bit. But no matter what happens, <laughs> the more time you spend, it's going to cost you a little bit more in production almost every time. Um, we're talking about, well, the notion that uh, you can make a movie. It's a very special edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. We're talking with J. Todd Anderson and George Williman. So you want to make a movie. You know, I guess it really is within our grasp. Uh, um, Writing a script's pretty easy. It doesn't take much, you know. No, but if you don't know all the technical stuff, or you don't know where to put the tab. Like, this oh, is well, a- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There are, since so many people have computers now, there, yeah. there are so many great. There are several really great packages out there that you can buy that will help help you along with the format. I think well, final there's, a dra- there's a one called Final Draft. Final that everybody Draft uses. That's but there's statement. also uh, for those of us for those of us who can't afford the big fancy packages, there is a, a typewriter. Program, <laughs> there's a program called Celtics. C E L T X. All right. It is an open source screenwriting program, and I believe it is available for Windows and Apple, and maybe even several other operating systems, and it is absolutely free. Huh. And you can download wow, it off of the internet. Yes. And it is Shots quite... Shots we didn't quite, know about this four years ago. Yeah. It's, just, it's only come out in the past huh. year or so, I think, but it's becoming uh, quite a popular little program, and, it, and I've never had a chance to really give it a good ringing out, but it seems to have a lot of power. And the reason they made it open source was so that the people who are using the program are also building the program. They see something they need. They go to the authors of Celtics. They say, this should do this. And then they make the change. It's amazingly available. Things, uh, I mean, think about how many people we know that have video cameras, computers. All these things are so much. I mean, now, here's, people have editing equipment on, on their PCs as a matter of course these you days. You can. I mean, honestly, you could have a challenge, a screen-making challenge. And there's been several of those um, lately in, in various forms. But you can honestly challenge a person to make a movie in one day, and you can do it. Now, you're not going to get a thorough sound mix and things like that. But with just the power of your Apple computer and in Final Cut Pro and, you know, your word processing. Uh, when I first met the Coen brothers, they typed Raising Arizona on a, script, on a typewriter, you know. And then the next movie, Miller's Crossing, they had these beautiful little Zenith laptop computers. Ooh. They had so about 
eight megabytes of storage. Somebody you know? liked yeah. Raising Arizona and gave them those. And they carry, right? I don't yeah, know, they carried fancy. around. And that's how they wrote, you know, from then on, they were on computers. But when I first met them, it was a typewriter. And that was 1986. And that was, to me, that was when things started changing technologically because they were getting into one-inch editing. And now it's unbelievable. I mean, literally, the people that we're talking to out there can literally make a movie in a day if they wanted to. Um, they can write be... what they're doing, check their writing by shooting it with a small camera um, with just simple techniques. You know, one of our advantages was storyboarding. George and I made movies in college, and I knew how to storyboard a little bit, and that saved us. You know, on My Mummy, I storyboarded, you know, on the side, so I knew exactly what we were shooting. Would so. you recommend doing that even Absolutely. if you're not particularly, a, you know, an artist, just something Stick to figures, get, man, overheads, yeah. anything. You want to save, you shoot only what you need and save money. And that was one of the ways we got through My Mummy in 26 days mm-hmm. um, by doing wow. you know, everything that we learned. Um, and we had video. You know, we didn't shoot it on film. We had video. And uh, uh, now this is four years ago. Now things are even faster and more incredible now, um, honestly. It's literally you can do them on your computer with a simple hard drive. Right, and, and there are now, I mean, they weren't available when we shot My Mummy, but now there are high-definition cameras that are being made for, for the common market. You know, so they're like, like under $1,000. The 8 millimeters of the, of the aughts. Uh, or, yeah. yeah. Well, 8 millimeter was never this simple. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, 8 so millimeter video, never. I think she's referring to. But What's that, George? I think she's referring to 8 millimeter video. But, but still, we've but got... No, it was Super never as good as this. Simple. This is the stuff yeah. that's out there now. And now they have, they have cameras. I think they have high-definition cameras now that don't even have tape in them. Yeah. They're all completely Go solid Go straight state. to hard drive. You load them up, you dump what's on there, and you load them up again. So this opens up a huge market for creativity when you're making a movie and it's revolutionizing what we see you know uh, things are changing so fast that you can download a movie over the wires it's just i can't keep up everything's so different from when i started and even when we did my mummy now things have changed for the better for my mummy now we were able to do a really good sound mix it took us four years to get into the sound mix territory but it it, it took us a little while to write it and then you know uh, well next week we're going to talk about production shooting these things but right now we're talking about getting it going getting that momentum you know for making your little movie get that thing out there and uh uh, making it so you can watch it and you know not wasting time you know getting into it you, you know. get the idea you get the script you get the uh, the uh, the energy and the drive it requires a great deal of vision doesn't it I mean that has to well, be if you're gonna make a movie that's probably the biggest priority the biggest you know thing. you think George is, yeah, is vision it's vision and drive and the desire to do it because if you get into it and about halfway through go oh what have I done <laughs> Yeah, and it yeah. happens. There's I mean, a there high attrition times, rate. There were, there, you know, as we'll get into probably next week, there were times when we were in the middle of this movie where we're like, "What are we doing? And why am I here? Why am I? Do- I could be at home. <laughs> what is my existence? Yeah, why? I could be at home enjoying a beer and a hamburger, and I'm out here. Couldn't I have done you know, something so. else with my life? <laughs> it is a very special edition. <laughs> That's so special. And <laughs> you're not doing anything else with your life but listening to filmically perfect. So you want to make a movie, huh? We're here to talk to you. We sure are. And uh, gentlemen, we are just about out of time. Tell us next time around. We'll go into a little bit of the production aspect. You say. Yes, we're gonna find out we're gonna get into production next week in our our three part hi- summer hiatus series. So you want to make a movie? 
It's coming your way, people. Stay tuned. And uh, you can find out more information about the Film Guys film at perfectmovie.net. Of course, uh, archived audio of Filmically Perfect in general and all of our perfect movies can be found at npr.org and iTunes. Uh, we're there as a bit available as a podcast. Just uh, any way that you can connect, I hope that you will. And uh, next time around, it's the next step in making a movie. So you want to make a movie? The Film Guys are your friend. Gentlemen, as we Stay wind tuned. out... Gentlemen, we are just about out of here. See you next hey, time. Support Public Radio. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect. Coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.